0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the 25 live uh, with me this week is our special guest chief Robert fight from Grand Prairie. Uh, he became the uh, fire chief back in 2012. He served as uh, the fire chief of Georgetown, Texas, uh, going back to 2009. Chief fight has been a firefighter paramedic since 1988, serving first in Lancaster, Texas, and then in Richardson, Texas. Chief Fight is a very proud of the recent accomplishments of the Grand Prairie Fire Department to include receiving the American Heart Association Gold Award for the fifth year in a row, being named a heart-healthy community by the North Central Texas Regional EMS Council, and receiving the highest insurance rating of an ISO-1. All three of these accomplishments have a direct impact on the quality of life and safety of his citizens. Chief Fight is an ex- Executive Fire Officer graduate from the National Fire, Car- Fire Academy, as well as a licensed paramedic and master firefighter. He has a master's degree in human resource management from Midwestern State University and a bachelor's degree in fire administration from Western Illinois University. Chief Fight and his wife, Tammy, have one son, Rhett. He was in college at UNT. Uh, in his leisure time, Chief fight plays soccer and enjoys almost any sporting activity where he can compete and is an avid scuba diver. So thank you, sir, for, for joining us on here today.
1: I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you asking.
0: Sir. uh, Now, I had the pleasure of, I've met you before in Texas. This is when we initially met. Then I also got to hang out with you in Arizona. But a couple weeks ago, I got to bring you to my hometown and uh, hang out in Ohio for a few days, which was absolutely great. So, and and you talked, um, you know, you came into this, you know, for this conference and you talked about a very exciting topic, uh, workers comp and cancer. So um, I kind of gave you the task, uh, and it's a pretty large task, of just kind of doing an overview on the workers' comp system and and the battles that our firefighters are fighting just wherever they're at throughout all the different states. So uh, I know you had to do – I kind of gave you some homework, really, I guess, uh, because each state obviously has its own uh, different laws. And uh, with that being said, were there – A lot of similarities that you found?
1: Yeah, I mean, almost all the states have a minimum time requirement for firefighters. In other words, three years or five years. And then almost all of them have an ending date, which predominantly is at retirement. But some more progressive states have plus three, plus five. I even found one that had up to plus 11 years into retirement. You're still covered.
0: Nice. Now, were there a lot of differences
1: as well? Yeah, the the challenge really is the types of cancer. Um, You know, the IARC, which is the International Agency of Research of Cancer, is really our guiding document on how firefighting is related to cancer or cancers related to firefighting. And some states have adopted the IARC and some states have not. Some states have adopted certain cancers, like certain 10 cancers, and that's it. And then some have just related it to work-related cancers, and they reference the IARC. The the challenge with that is, while we may be very versed on it, you start making these claims that go to your state workers' comp carrier, whether it's a private insurance or a state, they are clueless on it. And they're not going to do their research on the IARC, and they're basically going to deny your claim because they don't think it's work-related. So here becomes the battle of educating our state leaders as well as our insurance people.
0: Nice. Now, I kind of went through this whole process a couple years ago in Ohio. Uh, we finally got our bill about two and a half years into it. And it, it's interesting that you bring in, you bring up either the, you know, the black and white, these are the cancers you're covered for, or the IARC. That seems to be either one of each way, independent on the state or provenance. Um, initially our bill talked about, uh, it was, it was listed out. These are the common cancers that we get. And if we get these cancers, we're covered. And I, I appreciated that black and white. And we ended up switching it to the IARC language with, with, uh, level one and also level two a, uh, probably, probably carcinogenic. And I kind of, at first I was like, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but what I realized And I don't know where you kind of sit on this, but, uh, the fact that we're covered with all those different, uh, it it essentially opened up the door for all cancers. Yes. Like you can make your case for all cancers. It could be some rare, crazy cancer. That's not one of the common ones we get. And now we're covered because it's, it's, it's easy to show that we've, you know, are, uh, you know, we're on a a shift work or soot or diesel exhaust. So, I mean, do you kind of agree with me that if if you had your choice, you would actually kind of want the IARC language instead of the specific yeah, ones?
1: I would definitely agree with that. And see, here in Texas, unfortunately, uh, we have 11 black and white listed cancers, and they're the most common ones, as you would guess, but there's only 11. So, heaven forbid, as a firefighter, you come down with one of those, you know, liver or a very odd cancer that's still related to firefighting that's listed in the IARC, you're a hundred percent out of luck because we also lost the IARC reference. So we have no backbone to fight. If you don't have one of those 11, you're just not going to be covered. I know it sounds easier just to list them all out. And I guess you could have a law that would list 40 of them, but you know, no legislation is going to do that. So, uh, on the surface, I hear what you're saying is it makes it cleaner to have it listed, but it sure makes it safer to have the IARC as a reference, of, especially the group one and two A's. The group one are directly related to our profession. and Those are the cancers that you truly can fight easily.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, one of the things you did a couple weeks ago at our conference is you did a great story uh, or a great way of presenting kind of the the back end like how this whole thing works with the cities and municipalities and insurance companies and the BWC and and just kind of when you give that background of how this stuff works you, you kind of end up then knowing all right well this is what I have to do in order to fight this now right. would you mind kind of going into that backstory of, of how that works because mm-hmm. I don't think it's very commonly known really how the process works.
1: Yeah, I think you have to understand why workers' comp was ever invented in the first place, which was to basically just cover a salary gap while you twisted your ankle or hurt your back. It's always been designed as an injury-based process, not an illness-based process. And so now that our state legislations have modernized and cardiac and stroke and now cancer are presumptive, Unfortunately, the law really never caught up. The laws are still based on injuries. You know, you you twist your back at a fire—that's an easy one. But you have lung cancer, and now they're like—they don't really know what to do with it. So you got to really understand—is as, as angry and as personal as we can take this, especially when a friend or, heaven forbid, you are going through this fight. Really, the way this was created was never going to work cleanly just because of the law and the way it's based on an injury and so you know when you make a claim each state's going to be so different and that's why i really encouraged our members at the conference to understand their own state and i to be honest i was really surprised at the amount of administrators and union presidents in that conference really didn't know their system that's first and foremost a problem we've got to understand your own state and city workers' comp system. But, you know, there's always going to be a first report of injury, which is the critical litmus test. That is going to be the basis that you're going to have to fight for, or that's going to be the basis that that state or private insurance company is going to deny you based on your first report of injury. And then there's appeals and district court, and you just can get lost in the voluminous fight because you got to also remember what else are you doing during this you're fighting cancer. And so, you know, the story I showed on Robert Webb, he summed it up. He's going through radiation fighting stage four of multiple myeloma, not really knowing if he's going to survive. And Oh yeah, he's having to fight the state to prove this is work related. So, you know, I understand why the state, the ultimate, the cities want you on the city insurance. And I've mentioned this at the conference, every city insurance fund, Whether you're self-funded or you pay into a co-op, it's a multi, multi, multi-million dollar fund, and it can absorb a cancer or two claim. You put us on the workers' comp side, which is typically a cash fund that most cities have, one workers' comp cancer claim for a firefighter can deplete that fund in one year. And so, again, I'm not agreeing with what the cities do, but I understand why they would prefer to have you on the health insurance And not the workers' comp
0: claim. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, With that being said, and and you mentioned it, you know these individuals that are fighting workers' comp, you know it's it's kind of taken away from their real true fight of of making sure that they're okay, making sure they get healthy. Um, So with that being said, what are some of the things that we can do as firefighters right now? to make sure that um, if we do get diagnosed we have everything in line and we're ready to fight it and it should be hopefully an easier fight.
1: Well so most departments especially of size let's take a Dallas, Houston, you know, Philadelphia, they are already putting a cancer advocate in place as part of their and part of their strength of force. Uh, some of the associations will have an appointed cancer advocate. I think that is vital that someone in your department, if not more than one person in your department, will hold the hand of the firefighter and his family or her family, get them through the paperwork and understand how the fight's going to occur and just prepare everyone that we're going to get you through this, but it's going to be stressful. And Let the family focus on the cancer while the department advocate can focus on the cancer fight to get it workers cop because there's a lot of firefighters that give up when they're turned down they just don't want to go through the appeal because they're isolated the city's not helping them the fire chief's not helping them all their brothers and sisters are moaning for them feeling sorry for them but no one is really educated enough to take on the fight and i think that is the most critical thing as a union or as a chief and we can work together on this as well as we do here someone has got to be ready to take the fight on for that employee because he or she can't do it when they're going through chemotherapy.
0: Mm, Exactly. With, uh, this is kind of a random question, but with everything being said, everything, you know, about this stuff, if you were diagnosed tomorrow with cancer, you yourself, would, would you handle it yourself or would you get a lawyer?
1: I would handle it myself. In fact, I'm not even sure a lawyer is applicable during the first report of injury Mm -hmm. uh, because every state's going to have, again, their own process. But predominantly, there's a first report of injury, and then you're going to get a decision with an appeal. And the appeal is an internal appeal with your workers' comp board. And then once you're denied the appeal, then you have a right to go to district court. And that mm-hmm. is when the attorneys come into play. Now, I will tell you, you look United States-wide, there there are limited, if any, district court decisions. The cities and the states do not want a firefighter to go to district court and win. Because mm-hmm. that will set the precedent from then on out. So sure. typically, they play hardball. They're going to deny you for the most part. And they're going to want you to fight this through the appeal process. The good news is, Most firefighters eventually win their appeal. The problem we're seeing nationwide is many firefighters don't want to go through that because it's stressful and some lose their life. In other words, the cancer beats them before they can exhaust the appeal.
0: Sure. Well, I think it's also important to note that a lot of times disability pensions and, and, and actual, uh, you know, uh, funds that could help out the families are tied to this. So, it is important to actually fight for
1: this. Yeah, um, and, and I've had many firefighters here say, Chief, why are you so passionate about this? What does it matter if my you know, my melanoma is covered? And I say, well, here's why. Because if this melanoma beats you and you find out you have stage four and your body going through chemo turns on yourself, because a lot of people don't die from the cancer, they die from the treatment. And if you end up not surviving this, I want to make sure as you achieve that your spouse and kids are taken care of for the rest of their life because you're not going to be here to do that. And when you talk to them in that point, especially the ones that are younger and don't really see the magnitude of this, they they really can appreciate it.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Um, how uh, How important <laughs> do you think exposure forms are?
1: Well, again, most states are firefighters routinely responding, and it's presumptive, and they don't require a single isolated call. However, the four claims that we have active here that all got approved, uh, our state workers' comp wanted to see every response that those firefighters have been on, and some of them were 17,000 calls. And we had hundreds of thousands of pages printed. It really helps when they see routine fires with those exposures to those carcinogens documented. We don't have that. I'd love if we did. We're looking at altering our firehouse program to where, it, and I got this from your conference, somebody, don't may have been Columbus, but somebody had a form that when you click structure fire, it defaulted to the different types of material in structure fires. And if you click sofa or carpet or wall covering, that automatically converted into the the most common gases we're exposed to and it added to your report, which I think is genius.
0: It is. Yes, and I think you're right. It is Columbus, Ohio that's doing that. Uh, One of the things that I've started doing myself, and this is a quick little plug, and you can go back in the archives uh, to see the Dr. Lori Moore Merrill um, yep. uh, interview from a couple of weeks ago, and by the way, she'll be coming at, to my 2020 conference. Uh, she developed the Enforce program, yep. Yep. and and that has been absolutely amazing. And that's something that I could sit down and all my just on my phone, four or five minutes, and put everything I I, I need, and I got my exposure form. It's part right. of my part of my career diary. And, I think some uh,
1: firefighters want to focus on the exact event, but again, most state language is, is the presumptive, and it's an accumulation of time as firefighter, not one specific call. But if you add the two together, it just makes you more uh, protected.
0: I, guess, you know, I just kind of feel like it just gives you that much more yeah, ammunition. And, and you, you know, with uh, the N-4s, the nice thing, too, is it's your runs. It's your diary, so it'll follow you. You'll keep it for forever. You don't have to worry about the de- department maybe losing those files or, you know, some of our, especially the old school stuff. When you and I started, they still had the uh, the paper log okay. books. So, you know, making sure you could find all that. If you're able to have this in hand, it'll be helpful because you mentioned before some states that allow, you know, after you retire, you can still be covered. And in, in my state, and I think it's probably – one of the longest, I have 15 years after I retired. I don't know
1: how the heck you guys got that
0: in. Well, it actually was 20. It was 20 years up to the age of 70. They Actually, and this is a quote, they said, once you get 70, if you get cancer, it's because you're old. But it it was 20. They ended up doing an amendment a couple days, uh, a couple months later to make it 15 years, which is still longer than it seems like everybody else. So I know I need to make sure that I have all my exposure forms, and I keep them with me for a pretty long time. And that's another thing: when you are retiring, um, you know, one of the things you sh- you should be able to get when you do retire is all your exposure forms from the department. They should yeah. that's that should be one of their parting gifts. Hey, have this just in case. Hopefully, you don't need it, but you know, here's a file with everything. Keep it. This is very important. Right. Nice. Well, any, anything else of, of importance that you wanted to touch on with this subject?
1: I do want to mention one thing people ask me why I'm so passionate about this. I, I, you know I go back to the 90s and have remember some of the senior lieutenants and drivers you know back in my early days who, who died of cancer and you didn't think anything of it back then And then we progressed to now and when I came to Grand Prairie we had a 37 year old firefighter but I'm mean, Wendell Pickens who died of a very rare colon cancer. He was an active firefighter. And to piggyback on him, we had a 41-year lieutenant who died as he was in retirement, but he died the first month of retirement of cancer. And you know, when when I saw those two, I just said enough's enough. And in 2012 I really started educating myself on this. And then all of a sudden you started seeing the research. And it's just, you know, this is going to be a thing I take to my retirement as well. I'm going to preach and try to encourage a culture change amongst the fire service that we got to beat this. If not, it's going to beat our, It's going to kick our butt.
0: Sure. You know, I always say presumption uh, is great, but it's not a guarantee. No way. So the 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 best thing to do is not get cancer in the first place.
1: Right. Exactly. That's a whole I mean, topic.
0: easier said than done, right? Mm. Yeah. But uh, no, you should not as a firefighter bank on presumptive being for you i mean i saw myself this uh clear clearly your law has changed over times our law changed uh you know two months into it even though it said there was supposed to be a two a study after two years to see you know how how many people got diagnosed how much it cost and then they were going to make any changes after that they didn't wait that long they waited right. two months
1: wow it's
0: r- ridiculous
1: I'll tell you one thing our state's looking at, and I know others probably will once these claims get into the billions, will be just state mandating cancer insurance for us. And that could be a pretty good fix that the city pays a cancer policy for every firefighter. And then the, the treatment's covered, the loss of work's covered, and there would be a benefit, whether death or injury benefit, from that policy. In fact, the, the private insurance companies really want that because that's more business for them. So I would not be sure. surprised if we see that in the next five years as becoming the norm instead of presumptive legislation.
0: Yeah, one of the interesting things that we have actually going on in the Ohio legislation right now is uh, basically a cancer bill to where instead of the money coming out of the city's workers' comp funds or being charged for that, they actually they, they don't want this to be a hit on the cities and municipalities they actually want it to go directly to the workers comp surplus um, and okay. and that way uh, the, the idea is that these cities and townships municipalities won't start uh, won't keep fighting all these different right. cancer claims they'll it's not going to hurt them so they'll just let it go and it'll be it'll be covered.
1: I, I, also, one last comment on that is uh, another chief and I were talking about this because, see, Texas is not an NFBA state. Is Ohio? Are yes. You in so you have to cover, follow 1582 and all those things? Yes. So we were talking here. We would not be surprised that the legislation puts out a law that says if you're not 1582 compliant and you're not doing physicals and these cancer screenings for your people, they're not going to be covered by workers' comp. That would be an interesting little argument that if, because we have a lot of cities that don't do anything. Sure. They don't want to spend the money on their employees and it just drives me nuts. So it'll be curious if that ever catches traction because that could really <laughs> force the cities to, to do more, be more preventative.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I always stress if, you know, talk about annual physicals, if you're able to catch that cancer early on, I mean it, it's it's a world of difference. If you can just have surgery and be done yep. Yep. it's so much easier than the you know, doing chemo or doing radiation and the time off work and the quality of life and the, the staying alive. That is huge. Yeah. So the longer you wait for your cancer to get caught, the more all that's in jeopardy and the more money it's gonna cost the city. They're yeah. gonna have to cut co- they're gonna have to cover you. And then they're gonna have to take care of all your treatments as well. Right. So if they're able to catch that early on we're talking hundreds of thousand dollars they save.
1: Well, I can tell you it's about 80. We have two testicular cancer claims right now. One was caught early by a scan and the other was found on his own. Once he became symptomatic, It the, the claim for the one that was caught in the preventative scan is about 12,000. That includes surgery and everything. And this cancer is gone. The other one's about 90,000 and it's still active. So, we're $80,000 difference in a $300 scam. Yep. That's one claim. That's claim huge. 20. Yeah.
0: That's huge. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, cause I know a lot of these, these cities that, that, that you're not an individual, you're, you're not a person, you're a number, but those numbers should speak to them.
1: They do. Yeah.
0: It's, they really should. Yeah. So, I appreciate your time on all this subject. Um, I I really, and I thank you for doing your homework and you, you were able to bring something in that was, that was really just, you know, very uh, thorough for all the different States. I mean, you didn't have to go in each details, but you were able to find the similarities and the differences and kind of explain that. So I really appreciate that. I did want to get you out on uh, some random questions. These are more fun than, uh, to talking about workers' comp, um, I'm gonna let you choose your own fate here. So oh, you got man. everything numbered one through twenty-five. Go for it.
1: Uh, six.
0: Six. Uh, <laughs> I, I joked to you. I actually joked about this uh, with you before I started. I kind of this was the one I I, I gave. Uh, <laughs> David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar?
1: And as I told you, neither uh, Metallica or Godsmack.
0: <laughs> and that's, I, I I will accept that answer. That's also a good answer.
1: <laughs> so number, nine, number nine.
0: Oh, this is a deep one. Uh, how would you like to be remembered?
1: As a good family man. Very good. Fifteen.
0: Uh, let's see. Who would play you in a movie regarding your life?
1: Tom Cruise. I'm not a tall guy, so I, he would fit.
0: <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything.
1: <laughs> hey, what I was born with. Like oh. Lady, Ga- Lady Gaga, I was born this way. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. Let's do one more. One more.
1: Twenty-one.
0: All right. Favorite albums. Albums. Albums.
1: Sticks. <laughs> All I mean, right. I just love sticks. Dennis
0: Dennis DeYoung or Tommy Shaw sticks.
1: Dennis DeYoung. I wasn't expecting that soft, answer. Yeah, I was on the softer side. Uh, Dennis DeYoung came through Grand Prairie about six months ago at our theater, and he's 71, and we saw him live, and I'm telling you, it was like he was 30 out there. Great show.
0: That's good. I didn't I didn't see that coming. I thought of you more as a Tommy Shaw guy.
1: I am. However, until I saw him live, he changed me to the little softer side.
0: <laughs> well, You're getting old. What can I say? Yes,
1: I am. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, with that, I'll get you out of here. Thanks again right, for joining me. Thanks see for coming back, to Ohio. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon, but thank you. Yep,
1: please do. Thank you, brother.
0: All right. See ya.